Morning, everybody, again. So I have the privilege of introducing a, uh, one of my favorite preachers on the planet, Menda Nichols, my wife. Um, so before she, uh, she comes up, I just want to remind everybody, we've been going through, as a church body, the book uh, of Ephesians and uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And uh, so the first three chapters, which, which we did not really delve into, have to do with I, our identity, who Jesus is and who we are in him. Incredibly important. Stemming from our identity of who we are in him comes a change of behavior. And we've said oftentimes that what we've been preaching over the past number of weeks may not be very popular. It may not be winning us any awards and causing throngs of people to come and who... Most people don't want to be told how to live. And the idea is not that we're wanting to tell people or Jesus is just wanting to tell people how to live. It's that there is a way to his kingdom. And it does impact our behavior in a normal spaces. How many of you know we don't have a church life and then a, like a real life? Either this thing is real. Last time I checked, God cannot be switched on and off like a switch. The life of God is inside of all who have received Jesus, and it's perpetual. And it changes the way we live to cause us to live more like him. And those who truly are following, truly do believe in him, want to live like him. So it's not being told what to do. It's getting the privilege of seeing more clearly how he calls us to live. And so it does impact our marriage. It does impact our workplace. It does impact the way we raise our kids, the way we relate to our parents, the way we relate to ordinary spaces around our neighborhood. And uh, so we've covered all of that, and then it ends in chapter 6, where Paul takes a shift and starts talking about spiritual warfare. And, uh, and so I thought Minda did a, a workshop with uh, some women in a lovely church, lovely church, that's a weird way of saying it, an awesome church in Chicago. Many of you know the leaders, uh, Steve and Deborah Sudworth, that come up here often to encourage us, very close friends of ours. If you, don't, if you hang around here long enough, you'll get to know them. They'll be here sometime next year. And uh, she did an awesome uh, women's conference there and shared this very thing. I know that it's relevant, and what a great way to end our look at Ephesians. So, Minda, how about it? Thank you. Don't you guys think Paul did a good job leading worship? He hasn't done that for about 15 years. You can't tell. He did a good job. I appreciate that he's willing to do whatever needs to be done. So, like Paul said, we're going to look at Ephesians 6 today, and I love this passage of Scripture because it gives us such a great visual. It describes with detail something, not just with, you know, not just with a whole bunch of words, but it gives us a picture, and for those of us who enjoy visual pictures, it really helps us to understand what's trying to be communicated here. So, first let's turn to Ephesians 6. Go ahead and pull that up on your app or in your Bible if you've got a Bible. And we're going to look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. If you don't have a Bible here, Andrew's going to put the words up on the screen. Um, they're kind of small. The rest of the slides are going to be bigger, but um, you can follow along there while we read. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll begin to pull it apart and look at it. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So it's, we've been told twice now, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So we've got this picture here of this warrior who has on all this armor, okay? But we're going to start at the beginning where it says to be strong. So this whole passage starts with a directive to us to be strong. Now, all of you strong personalities probably love that. Like, yay, scripture tells me I get to be strong. But here's the thing, be strong in the Lord, not just in your personality, not just in the way you are as a person. It's a directive for all of us, whether we're quiet people or loud people or what the world would call weak people or strong people, is a directive for all of us to be strong in the Lord, okay? Not in ourselves, in the Lord and in His mighty power. So it's not just for the strong people. I think of my mom. Most of you have gotten to know her a little bit. She's kind of a quiet person, very gentle, very gracious, very loving, not a very overpowering personality, but she's one of the strongest people I know in the Lord. So it's not about... Don't, don't exclude yourself from this if you feel like, well, I'm just a weak person or just a small person. No, this is for all of us. But before we look at strength, I want to just for a minute talk about weakness. And I want to say very graciously and very lovingly to all of us that you are not helping yourself or anyone else if you stay in a weak place. Okay? Any weakness, whatever the weakness may be, you fill in the blank of that weakness it might be insecurities, it might be fears, it might be emotional weakness that you have. Anything that might hold you back in any area of your life from what God has for you or where the enemy might come and take advantage of you because of a weakness, you're not doing yourself any favors or anybody else around you if you stay in that weak place, okay? So, but what it does mean for, for believers uh, if you choose to stay in a weak place, yeah, that's right. If you, choo- if you choose to stay in that place, it's, it's not helpful. I want to look at another verse here, 2 Corinthians 12.10. I've got that, Andrew, 2 Corinthians 12.10. This is what it means to be strong in the Lord for followers of Jesus. It says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So all of us have areas of weakness, Right? But what it looks like to be strong in the Lord is that we yield those areas of weakness to Jesus. He is my power source. He takes my weaknesses. He takes my wounds. He takes my past. He takes my failures, those areas that might be weak. And in spite of those things, he makes me strong in him. So it's not that we deny or pretend that there's no weakness. That's not helpful. But it's in spite of those weaknesses that we can say, I will be strong in the Lord. And in those very areas where we are weak, that's where Jesus loves to come and show his strength when we rely on him. So it's our relationship with Jesus that our strength comes from. 
It's not anything we have to muster up or decide, I'm going to be strong. It comes from our relationship with him. That's where we get our strength. So I will not be strong by focusing on my weaknesses. I won't be strong by always talking about my weaknesses. It's like that magnifying glass that my mom had up here earlier. If I put that magnifying glass on my weaknesses, then all I'm going to see and all I'm going to think about is my weakness. I need to take that magnifying glass and put it on Jesus and let him be what I see and what I focus on. He will take care of my weaknesses when I look at him. Will I sometimes feel weak? Yes, absolutely. And I realize that sometimes we just need a moment. I get it. But we need to turn from those weaknesses then after we've seen them, after we've acknowledged them, and we need to say, great, this is an opportunity for Jesus to be strong in my life in spite of these weaknesses. So let's all take our focus off of our weaknesses and put them on him. So I just want to make sure that we understand we're not saying we're denying weakness, but we're choosing to be strong in the Lord. So let's go back to Ephesians 6, verse 10. I see two things here when it says to be strong in the Lord. So it's an instruction to be strong, our strength coming from the Lord, like we've already said, but it's also an instruction to be strong in the Lord. And what I mean by that is be strong in the things of the Spirit, be strong in the Word, be strong in your relationship with Jesus. It's not going to do you any good if you say, okay, I'm going to be strong, but then your relationship with Jesus is weak, your time in the Word is weak, you have no prayer life. So you can't just hear this and say, yeah, I'm going to be strong and then not be strong in those areas. The way you're going to be strong in the Lord is by be strong in your relationship with God. The things that we do in these areas directly affect how strong we will actually be in life. They, they actually uh, connect in a very direct way to the strength of our lives. And we're going to look at that uh, in just a few minutes. So these are spiritual things we're talking about. A lot of what we looked at earlier in the book of Ephesians were very practical things on relationship, on the workplace. Today, this is very spiritual. There are things that aren't seen that we're talking about this morning. But did you know that your internal world, the inside of you, your thoughts and your spirit and your connection to God, who is a spirit, that will alter your external world. It has the power to change your external world. And in fact, you can't really change your external world without altering your internal world. So even though these things are unseen and they aren't tangible, they're just as real. In fact, they're more real because everything we see came from the spirit realm. And these principles that we're going to look at work for anybody. So I also just want to say as we look at the armor, that this armor with this warrior who's got all this armor on him, it's not to keep people away. It's not to keep people out. The armor is so that you can be strong and fight for yourself, but also fight on behalf of others. That's what the armor is for. Sometimes we wear armor to keep people out. That's not, the, that's not what this armor is. This armor is only to keep the enemy out. That's the only thing we want to keep out. Our heart and our hands and our lives are always open to God and to people. So this armor is not to fight people. It says in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We are not fighting people. I just want to make that clear. When you're fighting something spiritually, let's strip away the thinking, you know, your boss is not your enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your mother-in-law is not your enemy. The coworker who's gossiping about you is not your enemy. No person is your enemy. We only fight demonic forces, which we're going to get into in a, in a few minutes. 
but it says that our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We have a real enemy. There is such a thing as the devil and demons. They do exist. And the scripture here says that there are authorities of powers in the dark world, that there are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's real. So we have an enemy as believers in Jesus, but it's not because of anything we've done. It's because of who we're aligned with. Because those powers defy God and come against God, because we take a stand with Jesus and because Jesus takes a stand with us, that is why we have a real enemy. But here's the good news. We do not have to be afraid. Jesus said in Mark 5:36, he said, don't be afraid, just believe. So when we believe on Jesus, our strength to fight comes from him. So we don't really have time today to get into like a whole teaching about the reality of spiritual warfare and what that actually is. I realize that for some of you that might be a foreign concept. It might not be something you're used to hearing about. And it can be sort of a, you know, kind of a mysterious thing for us to think about because we tend to live so focused in our natural world. But I just want to say a few things about spiritual warfare so that we kind of all come to the same page for this today. Satan has authority. Satan, the devil, who you can read about in Scripture, he has authority over this world, over this natural realm. He has, been, he has taken that authority, and he took that authority when Adam and Eve sinned, or rather they gave him that authority. When God created Adam and Eve, he gave them authority, but when they disobeyed God, they turned that authority over to Satan. And so he has authority. You want to know why bad things happen in the world? It's not God. It's the devil. The devil causes wars. The devil causes sickness. The devil causes disease. The devil causes death. The devil causes depression. Don't get that confused in your thinking. Maybe that's the first battle. God does not cause evil. God had a perfect world in mind, but sin is what gave the keys of this world over to Satan, and Satan is the one who wreaks havoc in the earth. When Jesus came to earth and died on the cross and rose from the dead, from the dead, from the grave, he overturned that. And the Bible says that Jesus took back the keys of hell and death in the grave. He took back that authority so that Jesus has that authority when we as his church exercise that authority. So people who don't know Jesus, who are walking around in darkness, they are under the darkness of Satan. They have uh, con- they're being controlled by Satan. They're being, or they're susceptible to his control or to things that can happen uh, that he would cause. But when, it, when we believe in Jesus, we can use his authority to overcome those things. So the way that that victory is enforced when we believe, when we believe in Jesus, when we, and then as believers, when, every time we pray, Every time we worship like we just did a few minutes ago, every time we make a decision to obey God, every time we love, every time we go, every time we serve, we are using our authority that Jesus has given us to overcome darkness, to overcome evil in the world. I'll give you an example. When our family moved to Detroit almost three years ago, we began to face some challenges that we weren't used to facing as a family. Um, Things like financial lack, even depression, um, 
even feelings of abandonment, those were things that were not, we were not used to feeling as a family. And we knew that these things were not God's will for us. So obviously we were praying about these things. We were in the scriptures to try to understand, God, what's going on with us. And in, in prayer, I just began to really feel that there was something spiritual going on. Like, this is not normal, and this is not just, like, a bad week. Like, this is going on and on for months, and we're experiencing these struggles in our lives that we're not used to. And I really sensed there's something spiritual here. There's some kind of spiritual attack. And so Paul and I prayed, and we said, Lord, would you show us what is going on here? We know this is not your will. We want to walk in your will. Show us how we can set this right. And some of you may remember last year, Chanel Rousseau, our friend from South Africa, came, and she spoke and ministered here in the church. And I know some of you weren't around yet, but she uh, is very discerning spiritually, very prophetic spiritually. And as we begin to share with her some of the things that we were encountering, she instantly discerned, and she, she talked about how often it, there will be ruling spiritual authorities, even in a region or in a city, because of the sins in that city. So if you think about the city of Detroit, it's got its own unique history uh, with spiritual forces of evil that try to dominate the people that live here. Things like poverty, violence, breakdown of the family, homelessness, addiction, depression, financial lack. Those are the things that try to dominate in the city because of the sins that have been committed in the city that the enemy has authority to try to dominate people in this city. She said, you guys have come here as a family to bring the kingdom of God and to tear down the works of darkness in the city. She said, you better believe that those authorities are going to attack you in the very ways that they have authority in the city. They're going to bring depression against you. They're going to try to take you down and get you to back down with financial lack and all these different things. And she said she believed we had come under attack and she wanted to pray for us. She prayed with us together in our living room. We worshiped together. She prayed, you know, that those things would just be broken. And here's the thing. It wasn't that she's some special guru or whatever. But once you see something for what it is, you can bring that thing down when you have authority in Jesus. If you know Jesus, you have authority then to bring that thing down once you see it. And so God used her to help us see it for what it is. And the most exciting thing is when you can bring that thing down, then you've seen it, and you're going to see it in other people's lives who come to you for help, who come to you and say, I can't break free of this addiction. I can't break free of this financial lack. My family's in ruins. And you're going to say, you know what? I've seen that thing head on, and I took that down in my own life, and I can help you bring that thing down in your life. So everything, every battle that we fight it is not just for us. Yes, it's for us in the moment, but behind us, God knows there's other people coming who need that freedom. So every time you square off with the enemy, every time you face the enemy and fight a battle with this armor that we're going to look at today, it is not just for you. It's for the other people that you're going to help to get free. And I'm telling you, these things are real. From the time Chanel prayed with us in our living room, something broke. And for the first thing that changed is that we begin to feel different. We felt like it was springtime. It was like November. It wasn't spring, but it felt like springtime. It felt like we could see, you know, the world in technicolor again. And we had our footing back. And we, she, she had a vision of us. Um, when I say vision, I don't mean that she, like, went into this trance or whatever, although that can happen. But she just had a picture that she felt like God was showing her that 
we had been down here under this thing and that God was lifting us up to have a bird's eye view of the city to not be under those things that were trying to pull us down. But God wanted to bring freedom through us as a church to this city. Psalm 18, verse 34 says, He trains my hands for battle. So when you go through difficulties and when you rise up with those things, that's training. God has trained you for battle. So now when we face those same struggles, we can set other people free. So you don't have to be weird about these things. We don't have to walk around like, hmm, you have a spirit of whatever. In fact, I advise you don't talk to somebody who's not a believer in Jesus using that language necessarily. Unless they're open to it, unless you've really gotten to know them, unless you feel like there's a bridge of trust there, People, you're going to scare people off because people walk around in a natural world, not aware of the spirit realm. So we need to trust God through love and through relationship and through connection, how to, t- how to help people with these things. Um, but we, need to, we do need to discern these things in our own lives so that we can stay free from them. And I do just want to say, as followers of Jesus, we are called into a battle. We are called to fight. We're not just called to survive. We're not just called to settle. We're called to pioneer, and we're called to fight. We have a captain, and his name is Jesus. He goes before us. He's the one who fights on our behalf. He's the one who's already got the victory. So our fighting is not for victory. Our fighting is to enforce victory. It's already in our hands. But how often do we just not stand up and fight? We just let the junk happen to us. We just roll over and take another slap across the face from the devil when we, ha- we hold the victory in our hands, we need to stand up and enforce it. You're not fighting for the victory. You're fighting with the victory that you already have. And there is a difference. God's calling us to engage. Back to Ephesians 6 again. In verse 13, it says, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may, may be able to stand your ground. That word stand in the Greek means to establish a thing to cause it to stand. Um, Like if you were establishing a new home, or if you were establishing a new school, or if you were establishing a new business, or even a new city, to found a new city, that's what that word means, to stand, to establish something. It also means to uphold or to sustain the authority or the force of anything. So when we stand our ground, we we are saying, I am established. I am established in what God has said, And I am not going to give away the authority that he has given to me. That's what it means to stand. And then verse 14, or the end of verse 13 says, after you've done everything to stand, I love what it says again in 14. It says, stand firm then. So it's like stand and then do everything you can to stand and then stand again. I remember the first year we were living here and we were encountering some of these struggles and it was blow drying my hair. A lot of you girls blow your hair upside down like I do. I was standing in my bathroom, blow drying my hair upside down. And I was like, God, what do I do about this stuff? And I was looking at my feet, and they were planted on the bathroom floor. And he said, stand your ground. Just stand. That's all I want you to do right now is just stand. And sometimes we don't stand. I want to ask you this morning, have you done everything to stand in the area of struggle that you're facing right now? It says, do everything to stand. Have you done everything to stand, or are you giving up? Are you saying, well, that didn't work? Are you just saying, well, I guess I'm just not going to be healthy. I guess I just will never have peace. I guess this relationship is just never going to change. 
or are you continuing to stand? I mean, that's a pretty clear message. After you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Just keep standing. Don't stop standing for your freedom. Don't give up. Okay, this is how we stand. Let's look at this armor. Verse 14 says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I don't often wear a belt, but why do people wear belts? One of the reasons is that it's practical. It keeps our pants up, right? If your pants are too big, it holds your pants up. It holds things up. Sometimes people who lift weights wear a belt when they're lifting weights, right? And you know why they wear that belt? Is it because a lifting belt increases spine and core stability? So when we put on the belt of truth, what God's word says, we are increasing our stability and our strength. If you want to be able to stand and you say, God, I'm not sure if I can stand, well, take the belt of his truth, what his word says, and put that belt on. Know the word of God. Know scripture. Read scripture. Hide it away in your heart. Focus on it rather than the lies that are coming to your mind. Put it on every day. Every day read the scripture. Every day focus on the, on the, on the word. I'm not saying you have to actually like do some kind of weird act and say, okay, I'm putting my belt on. No, but when you read the scripture, you are putting the belt on. That's what you're doing. You're putting on the belt of truth. And then you won't get caught exposed and weak with your pants down if you put on the belt of truth. I also just felt stirred to encourage us, be careful to not only wear the belt of truth for fashion. Sometimes you wear a belt just for fashion, right? Like this, this is a, just a fashion belt. It's not even a belt. It's just here for fashion. Don't wear the belt of truth just for fashion. What do I mean by that? Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. What is philosophy? Philosophy is the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence. So there's nothing wrong with philosophy on its own. But if you're studying truth or knowing truth just for the sake of knowing something, don't be caught captive by that. The scripture says it's empty and that you will be deceived by that. If you focus, have you ever been around people or maybe even been guilty of it in your own life where you just get so philosophical and so puffed up with knowledge with no practical implementation of that, that it just becomes like you you end up in a deceived place and it actually ends up being empty because there's no real benefit to it. You're not actually walking it out. And it also says, or don't be deceived also by human tradition, elemental spirits, which is natural knowledge. Natural knowledge alone is not what's going to be that belt of truth for us. It's great to have natural knowledge, and we should learn as much as we can, but it's the spiritual truth that's going to help us in our lives. Those things are of the world, but they're not from Christ. It says, see to it. In other words, watch out. Be careful. Don't put on this belt of spirituality and knowledge just for the sake of having knowledge. It's in vogue right now in our world to be philosophical, right? It's in vogue to sit around in coffee shops and chat about truth and to chat around philosophy and and ideas and to have these long conversations. It's fashionable to wear that kind of belt, but we need to put the truth into action. I want to encourage us as a church, let's stop arguing over things that don't matter, the little things in Scripture, the little things about truth. Don't argue. I, I hate getting pulled into those conversations. Usually I'll just be like, whatever, 
No, I don't care. Like, focus on the big things in truth and stay true to those things because the arguments just waste our time and they distract us and they pull us away from the battle that we're supposed to be fighting. Are we living by the truth? Are we making disciples by the truth? Or are we just wearing our truth belt for fashion? Let's check that today. Let's make sure we're not caught up in that snare. I find that when I'm taken captive by the knowledge of the world, that the goalposts are constantly moving. Do you know what I mean? It changes every day what the current truth is. But the truth of God's word does not move. It doesn't change. It is eternal. And if we build our lives on that, we will be stable. So it goes on to say in verse 14, then it talks about the breastplate of righteousness, right? You've seen old armor that's like a breastplate they would put on to cover their chest. It says to put that in place. It calls it the breastplate of righteousness. We are to be covered by Jesus' righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus. That word righteousness means good standing with God. Good standing is like a, a business term or a financial term that means that everything's good between you and God. Like if you have good standing with a business or good standing with one of your creditors, uh, everything's good. Everything's paid. Everything's up to date. There's a good relationship. We put on that breastplate of everything's good between me and God. I wear that over my heart, and it's Jesus' righteousness. It's not anything that I've done or haven't done. It's in spite of everything that I have done that doesn't make me righteous. It's Jesus' righteousness that I put over my heart. And you know what? It protects your heart. And Scripture tells us to carefully guard our hearts. Your enemy comes with shots to your heart. He comes to try to take you out with thoughts of shame, thoughts of uh, their lies of shame. Or he'll come with words of other, that other people are speaking, but they're actually inspired by the enemy, and they'll come at your heart to take you out. A shot to the heart will take you out immediately, right, if you get shot in the heart. So you need to wear that breastplate of righteousness knowing it doesn't matter what I'm thinking. It doesn't matter what somebody says about me. I know I'm in right standing with Jesus, and that protects my heart. It could be backstabbing that people come at you. It could be even some truth in what they're saying. But you know what? You don't stand before God based on your own behavior. It's Jesus's righteousness that covers you. So that, again, that relationship with Jesus is so key. This is all relationship with him. So we put on the breastplate of righteousness also as we choose righteous behavior. Hear this. Part of living a fortified, protected, armored life is choosing to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. I'm going to say that again. Part of living a fortified, protected, armored life is choosing to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. What does that mean? It means that we live from our spirits and not from our old nature. We no longer live from what we used to do, from the sins that we used to be involved in, from those things that try to pull us down, but we live from our spirits. We live in unbroken fellowship with Jesus. When we compromise, it's like a chink in our armor. You know what a chink is? Like when they would have that mesh armor and there would be an opening and they could get a knife in there. When we compromise in an area in our lives and sin, it's like an open place for the enemy to come in and to get us. So we know sometimes 
never mind our enemy knowing, sometimes we know that we've lost our footing when we compromise. Have you ever experienced that? You compromise and you're like, whoop, I just slipped there. Oh, I know I'm not standing strong. I need to get back over here and recognize, Jesus, I want to be aligned with you. I want to, be, I want to live in your righteousness. I want to cover my heart with your righteousness. And I want to be strong. I want to be protected from the, from the attack of the enemy. Verse 15 says, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So we've got our belts on, we've got our, our breastplate on, and now it's talking about what's on your feet. As a warrior, you need to have readiness on your feet. What does that mean? It means you've got to be ready to go, right? See on those old movies where they would like go, doo, 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 and everybody would run out of the tents. They were ready to go. That's what it means. We've got to be ready to go. When Jesus says, go talk to that person, we've got to be ready to go. And what's on our feet is the gospel of peace. The gospel means the good news. So what are we ready to do? We're ready to go share. We're ready to go be the gospel to somebody. We're ready to bring peace. Why? Because we're taking ground. We're not just standing only to protect ourselves, but we're taking ground. We're going somewhere as warriors. We're looking for every opportunity to shine the light into the darkness. And it's a necessary part of our gear as warriors in the army of God. Verse 16 says, take up the shield of faith. This is one of my favorites. Imagine yourself with a shield, like Wonder Woman, right? She's got a shield, right? Imagine that shield. And it says, with it, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It says that it's the shield of faith. Do you know what faith is? Faith is not just your religion. Faith is not, well, what faith are you? Um, this or that. Faith is simply believing God. That's what faith is, that I believe what God says. So when I believe God, it's like a shield that I hold up that extinguishes like a flaming arrow, like a, like a flaming dart that comes at you. It's on fire. It's, it's going to take you out. You hold up that shield of faith. You believe what God says. I'll give you an example. Maybe a thought comes to you. It says you're a failure. You hold up the shield that says God's word says that whatever I do prospers and succeeds, and you put out that flaming arrow. A thought comes to you that says God's not going to keep his promises to you, and you hold up that shield that says God's word says that all of his promises are yes and amen. You believe and you let your heart agree with what God's word says, and you hold up that shield. Then the next piece of armor is the helmet of salvation in verse 17. It says, take the helmet of salvation. This is to have our minds and our thinking covered by salvation because it's called the helmet of salvation. That, that word salvation in the Greek, which is the language that that scripture was written in, if you study the meaning of that word, it means deliverance. This is good. Deliverance from the harassment of enemies. Isn't that good? Have you ever experienced harassment in your mind? I'm sure all of us have. The way we can overcome that is by the helmet of salvation. We can, we can allow God's saving power to cover our minds. The word salvation means health. It's not just that we're saved in an eternal sense, but it also means health, wellness, wholeness. It even means mental health. Isn't that awesome? That when I have harassment in my mind, I can put on the helmet of salvation and Part of that salvation brings health and wholeness to my mind. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's one of the ways you can put the helmet on. Choose to think about the things that are lovely, pure, honest, the things that God has said, the things in the Word of God, and you're putting on that helmet and just watch that harassment go away. There was a time uh, about a year ago, I guess, or no, it was actually just this year. It was earlier this year when I was experiencing irrational fears in a particular area. Have you ever experienced that? It's like all of a sudden you just got these fears and they keep coming to you when you lay down at night and you've got these, it, it was just weird. And I was like, no, this is ridiculous. And so I took these index cards and one day and I wrote out the opposite of the fears that I was experiencing. And I put them on my bathroom mirror for a week. And every time I went into the bathroom, when I was getting ready, when I went in to use the restroom, every time I would read that, and I would read it out loud, the opposite of the fears that I was experiencing. And it was like putting that helmet of salvation. I was saving my mind from the harassment that was coming against my mind. And it stopped. It stopped. So we need to put on the salvation of God by dwelling on the things that are good and pure and trustworthy, the opposite of those lies that are coming to you. Now, I realize that there are some of us who do experience um, uh, mental struggles, uh, mental illnesses, and there's times that people do need medication, they need therapists, they need doctors. We are not anti any of that. If you are on medication, I encourage you to take your medication, but I just want to encourage you, God will use it, God will use all of those things, but salvation is for you too, in your mind. God's salvation is for you. And don't just lay that down and say, well, I'm just going to let my doctor take care of that. I'm just going to trust in this medicine. No, take those things, but at the same time, put that helmet on too and say, I believe that my mind is saved. I believe that my emotions are saved. I'm going to focus on what God says and let him work that salvation and that healing into your mind. That's what God has for you. And then verse 17 goes on to say, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So this is the offensive weapon that we're given. The other was armor to protect us, right? To defend ourselves. This is an offensive weapon that you use, right? In the book of Revelation, at the end of the Bible, John has this vision of Jesus, Revelation 1.16, and he saw Jesus, and it says that coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword, it was coming out of its mouth. So what we say, our words, and the word of God, the words of Jesus, is what the sword is. If you want to know what is that sword, it's what we say. It's when we choose to say what God says. I want you to look at the scripture, Hebrews 4.12. This is, this is so important. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We use the word of God to discern or to divide. If you don't know what to do in a situation and you need to cut through it and lay it open to look at it, how do you do that? You go to the word. And God's word, I'm telling you, it addresses every situation and circumstance in our lives. There is something in God's word for everything you're facing, and God will lead you to the truth in his word that you need to discern and divide that situation. So God's word is the sword that cuts through, 
and it also said it, cut, it cuts between soul and spirit. And it helps me discern, okay, that thing in me is coming out of my soul, my carnal nature, my old nature. This thing is the spirit, and I need to follow the spirit. So that's how we discern our natural thinking from our spiritual thinking. Our natural desires from our spiritual desires is by looking at the word. And then when we speak the word, it's just like what happened with Jesus. If you don't know the story, Jesus went into the desert, and the Bible says he was tempted by the devil. And all that Jesus said, every time the devil tempted him to do something that was different than what God said, all Jesus did is he just spoke scripture at him. That's all he did. He used the sword, and it did. It was like a sword to the enemy. It kept the enemy at bay. That's how he fought that battle, and that's the same way that we fight. When we're tempted in an area of sin, when we're tempted to go into an area of unbelief in our minds, when we're tempted to give up on the walk that God has for us, all we have to do is speak the word. You don't have to have reason with the devil. It doesn't even have to make sense to you. You speak the word of God. You agree with it in your heart. And that's how you take your enemy down is with that sword. And then verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We need the Holy Spirit. I love how Paul added this on to the end. He's not even really talking about a piece of armor here, but he's saying, put on all that armor, use your sword, fight your battle, but then he says, and pray. Pray in the Spirit. You need the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit because we are spirit beings. This is not a natural battle, right? We're not going to go actually put on a physical armor. I'm not planning to anyway. So this is a spiritual battle. So to fight a spiritual battle, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God because we are spirit beings. I want to encourage you, give attention to your spiritual life. If you haven't been giving attention to your spiritual life, start today. Start giving attention to it. Just like you would, might say, I need to get healthy this year. I need to start eating different. I need to go to the gym. I need to work out. It's just like that. If you start giving attention to it, it changes and it grows and it develops. Have you ever gone to the gym and worked out and you work out that muscle over and over, and what happens is that muscle gets stronger. It's the same with spiritual things. If you start to give attention to it every day, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and you're going to take down more and more giants. You're going to take down more and more battles, not just for yourself, but for other people too. I have a friend who said to me at the beginning of this year, she said, Minda, I've gone through some really hard years lately. And she said, you know what I did? I turned to physical strength. I thought, I'm just going to throw myself into getting strong physically. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to eat right. I can't deal with this other stuff in my life, so at least I can control this. I'm going to get strong physically. And she said, I've neglected my spiritual strength. She said, I need to get my spiritual strength back. And she said, I know I'm going to do that by choosing it just like I chose the, the physical strength, just like I chose to go to the gym. I'm going to choose to be in the Word of God, to talk to the Lord, to, to be in spiritual community. I'm going to get strong again spiritually. I want to encourage you to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you don't know what that is, we can talk to you about that. You believe on Jesus, and then the Scripture instructs us to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and where His Spirit comes and doesn't just live inside of you then, but then is all upon you, and He anoints you and gives you the ability to do amazing things on His behalf. If you don't know what that is, we can talk to you about that, and we can pray with you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be continually filled. 
For those of you who do speak in tongues and have received that from the Holy Spirit, do that. Pray in the Spirit and develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Notice that it says it keeps you alert in verse 18. It says, be alert. When we're filled with the Spirit, we're alert. That's how we, that's like the radar that you know the enemy's coming and you can take down that thing. Don't just be asleep in your tent not knowing what's going on as a warrior. So these are the ways that we are strong in the Lord. That's the armor that God's Word talks about. And it was on my heart today that I want to encourage you as we have considered all these things today, I know sometimes when we look at the word, there's a temptation to say, okay, I got that, I got that, check mark, check mark, I'm, I'm covered there, I got that in place, I'm, yep, I'm doing that. I want to encourage you, listen for a moment in your heart, in your spirit, where's the area, as we looked at this today in the word, where's the area where you felt, mm, I don't have that, I don't have that piece of armor in place, and I want to encourage you, focus on that. Focus on that today and say, Lord, help me to get that piece of my armor in place because I want to be strong in you, Lord. I want to be able to stand for my own benefit and for the benefit of others that you want to call around me for me to help.